Hello, I'm David Adams, and this is Retire While You Work. Thanks for listening, as always. On these episodes, we discuss the importance of experiences and memories over things and stuff, and we challenge the broken concept of retirement in this country. And as a wealth manager for going on 20 years, I've literally seen thousands of financial plans and situations and love to help people figure out the right balance between spending their time and money. So here we go. Hello and welcome to Retire While You Work. Today I want to talk about um, how we need a new or a different retirement model to follow in this country. So I'll give you a little bit of background on that. So a few years ago, I really began questioning my own priorities. In my early 30s, I was fortunate enough to reach you know, what most people would consider the, uh, the pinnacle of success. I had a big house in a desirable area of town. I was financially set. And I'd reached a, a tremendous level of, of success within my business and was, you know, fairly well respected within my industry. But even with all that, something was missing. <clears throat> Excuse me, something was missing. Despite my achievements and status, I didn't feel whole. And I spent the next five years investing time and money in self-discovery and personal development. And I found a mentor. I participated in several retreats and spoke to people that I felt could help me reframe my view on life. And I would leave each experience feeling such excitement about the wisdom and knowledge that I was gaining. And I knew that through this self-work, I can make a positive impact on the lives of my clients and family members and friends. My energy and determination quadrupled and um, remain. I'm still internally grateful for the lessons that I've learned. Um, Those friends and mentors really helped crystallize something for me. I learned that chasing financial security and success, it's really only half the story. And that I, like many of my clients and just people in general, I was allowing money that I had in the bank, my pursuit of clients, and my professional success to systematically take over my life. And I was so focused on the idea of being successful that I myself become overworked, overstressed, and in some ways repressed. And the truth is, I had completely lost sight of what matters the most, relationships, family, self-care, and the simple act of just enjoying life. All right, so you know my personal journey through self-development, I'll say that thanks to the guidance I received, I really stepped back and examined my priorities. Um, what you spend your time on is where your priorities lie. And I was spending a lot of time in client meetings and at work-related events. And there was a huge imbalance between the time I spent at work and the time I spent with family and friends doing the things I enjoyed outside of work. So I helped launch and host a men's group at my home, making an effort to connect with close friends and coworkers and family members on a regular basis. And before that, I'd been spreading myself so thin that I wasn't making true connections with anyone other than, you know, people at work for business purposes. So I decided to focus on placing my spiritual needs at the top of my priority list. And for the previous decade, that top spot had been reserved for building my identity around my career. I quit trying to be the, uh, the lord of my own ring, as you will, and followed the sign that still sits and I'm looking at right now above the desk at my office. It's a verse from Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. So giving up control was and still is the hardest part of the process, especially because like many of you listening, I'm sure I'm a type A personality. But once I realized that we simply aren't in control, everything became easier, clearer, and more fulfilling. Unfortunately, it took me getting knocked down and stepped on a little bit to realize this. I decided that the money and the security that 
the money brought is important, but by no means is it worth obsessing over at the expense of relationships, health, and happiness. This piece of wisdom can change your life. It changed mine, and it continues to do so. Well, retirement should be filled with joy, not fear, right? Easier said than done. I've seen hundreds of people in their 60s who are tired and scared, and they're still working, but they feel like they haven't reached that magic number yet. So they think that they don't have enough money to retire. And even clients with millions of dollars feel like they can't retire. That's how warped our society is when it comes to retirement. We have these arbitrary numbers in our minds that are typically fear-based or possibly worse, greed-based. And then when we finally do retire, these clients are sometimes in such poor health that they can't enjoy their retirement. They have no identity outside their jobs, they're bored to death, and maybe they don't have any hobbies. Often they grow depressed, and I've witnessed this scenario so many times. From my experience, after people retire, it takes about two to three months for them to settle into their new lifestyle. At first, it's kind of exciting to be able able to leisurely do even the small day-to-day mundane things or running errands in the middle of the day or having time to keep the house clean, but that excitement usually wears off fairly soon. And many retirees realize that their personal lives without work are pretty empty. And maybe they had a shallow marriage or they didn't really connect with the kids. So they try to connect, but sometimes by then it's too late. They can't identify their true purpose. They fill this deep void inside of their gut. Too often when people grow bored after retirement, they rush back to work and sometimes they end up right back where they were in a stressful work environment. It's important to have retirement goals in a financial plan. Don't get don't get me wrong here, but that's only part of the puzzle. So if hardworking people like my dad obsess over all that all-consuming magic number, they'll spend their entire lives working themselves ragged and never actually living. According to um, a 2017 Gallup survey, I believe, 54%-ish of U.S. adults are worried about not having enough money for retirement and not able to pay for medical costs resulting from a serious illness or accident. So these two concerns have typically been the most worrisome for Americans since Gallup began doing this surveys back in the early 2000s. Um, they did, started doing the survey on people's eight most common financial worries. Luckily, that number is lower than what it was in 2016 when 64% of people were worried about retirement funds and 60% were concerned about affording medical costs. So even though the percentage has declined, the fact remains that even today, there's a lot of confusion and fear out there. And a movement needs to happen to break this mentality. Every time a client leaves my office with a big sigh of relief, leaving that worry at the door and giving me a big hug, every fiber in my being is activated and I'm reminded why I love this job and my calling. Let's talk about corporate America for a minute. Um, Corporate America valuing work over well-being. I think that's a trend we've seen a lot. And so once I made some of these changes in my own life, I started noticing the same workaholic tendencies in many of my clients. Their careers were taking a very unhealthy hold of them. They were spending decades working themselves to the bone to achieve some unattainable goal of success and financial stability. That's the story most of us share today. Corporate America has taught us that not only to work hard, but to overwork ourselves. We're awarded a badge of honor for working weekends, and we're promoted for outshining our coworkers by pulling these 60-hour work weeks. And as a CPA, I worked in public accounting, uh, that industry, for a while, where your worth really was defined by the hours worked. My boss, a partner at the firm, I think at the time was in his early 40s, had three young boys, and he worked from 6 in the morning till 8 every evening to beat traffic, he said. And one day I asked, I'll just call him John. John, when do you get to see your kids? And his answer horrified me on the weekends. He was serious. Yuck. 
We're taught that success comes from climbing the ladder. More money, more stability, and more success are always beyond uh, the horizon. But sadly, we invest the best years of our lives trading vacations, friends, hobbies for work, only to feel empty and dissatisfied at the end, and we've forgotten to enjoy the journey. But guess what? I'm here to remind you to enjoy it. So let's enjoy it. Let's talk about vacations and how they keep us healthy and refreshed. Did you know that 23% of employees use all of their eligible time off? The average employee uses only about 54% of their vacation time, and that number hasn't changed much over the years. And when people do take vacation days, they aren't vacationing the entire time. Two-thirds report working on vacation, which was higher than just five or six years ago, which was like 60%. So that's going up. Bad trend. We need to take vacations and leave work behind. Vacations are fun, and they can also save your life. One study of men at high, um, so study of men who are at high risk of artery disease found that those who failed to take annual vacations were like 30% more likely to die of a heart attack. What? And in the long-running frame, Framingham Heart Study, women who vacation just once every six years were eight times more likely to develop coronary artery disease or have a heart attack than women who vacation twice a year. Yep. Some people don't take vacations because they feel guilty leaving coworkers to carry the burden of their work. Others fear that work they delegate won't get done right. We call those the control freaks. I've been in that camp. I can be recovering. <laughs> and many others hoard vacation time because they're afraid of getting laid off or fired and they want to be able to cash out the paid time when they leave their jobs. But by failing to take paid time off, we're robbing ourselves of happiness and saving money in fear that we won't have enough. I knew this from my own experiences and those of my clients, but it was my dad's story that really brought me to my knees. And many of you know about that story. When my dad retired, his mind was still sharp. He wanted an opportunity to continue contributing his 40 years of experience to his company, but they weren't interested. It was a put-off to see his company and corporate America in general operate this way. His company wouldn't give him a part-time job with a moderate salary and full health benefits, which he really needed. They denied him the joy of continuing to contribute, and they denied themselves 40 years of valuable experience and wisdom, which dad would have been happy to share with their other employees. I couldn't understand for the life of me why they wouldn't allow him to stay engaged and keep his health insurance until Medicare kicked in, but because he was physically worn down, they couldn't think outside the corporate box to find a win-win and take advantage of his razor-sharp mind. My type A personality compelled me to draft an email to the CEO and search for flights to the headquarters for an uninvited face-to-face meeting. That never happened because my dad's a little more reserved than I and told me that if I confronted the CEO that I was grounded. Yep, I like when I was like 37, he was going to ground me. The way corporations ignore older workers is upsetting. A December 2017 article from CNBC revealed that dozens of companies uh, use Facebook to exclude older workers from job ads. For example, Verizon placed an ad on Facebook to, rec- to recruit applicants for a unit focused on financial planning and analysis. And the article said, um, or the article says, the ad showed a smiling millennial aged woman seated at a computer and promised that new hires could look forward to a rewarding career in which they would be more than just a number. The promotion was set to run on the Facebook feeds of users 25 to 36 years old who lived in the nation's capital or had recently visited there and had demonstrated an interest in finance. For for a vast majority of the hundreds of millions of people who check Facebook every day, the ad did not even exist. And this is a huge problem in corporate America today. Companies are missing the boat If you have a pool of 60-somethings who are smart, experienced, and likely will live until age 80 or 90 and still need income, but they're just not as physically fast anymore, 
Why not let them retire while they work instead of letting them go? There's a huge opportunity here. I'm getting worked up. Breathe, David, meditate. In an article in the University of Chicago Law Review, Michael Stein, a visiting professor at Harvard Law School, and his co-authors argue that retaining older workers is in everyone's best interest. They say that the financial, the financial costs of Social Security and Medicare are unsustainable and that pensions are dwindling as baby boomers live longer, so accommodating older workers is, the, is to the economic benefit of the entire country and to the social benefit of those who want to continue to work. Many of these people aren't even ready to retire. They want to stay engaged and interact with people and connect. They're aware of the benefits of continuing work in a limited capacity, but few companies give them the opportunity. This needs to change now. And with that, I'm going to go take a walk outside because that gets me, that works me up every time. So um, I'm going to keep trying to do something about that and keep getting this message out. That's all we can do, right? Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you on my next uh, podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening today to Retire While You Work. I'm David Adams and hope you'll continue to listen as we discuss creative ways to manage your time and money.